Hellcats! Welcome back to another episode of Intoxicated. I'm your host, Kelsey Davies, and I am here with my haunted doll, Lola. Um, well, technically, I'm kind of by myself, but kind of not by myself, because Lola's chilling right here with me. Right, Lola? She, she's chilling. It's been a hot minute since I've posted an intoxicated uh, episode. This is episode 28. We are almost at episode 30. Woo! Episode 30. My intoxicated choice is, you guessed it, marijuana. The Mary J. Oh, Miss Mary J herself. I would marry Miss Mary J if I could. You know, like, I just really, really like it um <laughs> i have the i think it was citrus something i can't i can't remember the name of the weed that i was smoking but it's it's prime this one's a sativa so i'm you know getting active i'm ready to go i smoke sativa before i work out i smoke sativa before you know, I gotta do things, basically. It kind of helps my brain get going, and yeah, hybrids kind of make me more chill, you know? Like, hybrids I'll smoke if I'm just at home, chilling on the couch, just relaxing, and then indicas I smoke if I just want a nap, or if I want to go to bed, or just really want to really, really chill, because indicas, oof, those things knock me out. Those babies, that baby, the strain, of indica knocks me out. We had a little hiatus here on Intoxicated. I'm so sorry about that. If you guys are not following me on YouTube, my YouTube channel is K-E-L-S-I space D-A-V-I-E-S. If you guys want to check out my adventures, uh, a lot of the things I talk about on here I have on camera on my YouTube channel so you can get a good ass visual of it. You can also follow me on my TikTok which is K-E-L-S-I-I-D-A-V-I-E-S-S, same as Instagram and Twitter, two I's and two S's, because why not? Just, just why not? I actually just got back from Thailand. Oh my gosh, guys, Thailand, okay? We gotta talk about this, because we were just talking about some Thailand legends in my last episode of Intoxicated, and holy shit, I cannot even, like, process what happened out there, but there was a lot of creepy supernatural things that happened. Just a lot of spiritual energy. There was so much in Thailand. It was just so beautiful. I actually vlogged this whole trip, so you guys can check that out as well. But we first went to Bangkok, and then we went to Krabi. After Krabi, we headed over to Phi Phi Island. It is called Phi Phi Island. It's P-H-I-P-H-I -I Island. I thought it was like Fifi Island, but the locals were like, no, 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 it's Peepee Island. So we were, we were hanging out on Peepee Island, which is filled with thousands of cats, by the way. I had no idea that it was that magical. So we went to Peepee Island. We stayed at this amazing beach resort. It was absolutely beautiful. And as we're eating dinner, there's all these cats around you, literally like hundreds of cats. So if you don't like cats, don't go to this island. Um, but it was amazing. The cats were just sitting on your lap while you're eating. They're all begging for food. You give them some food and then they'll, you know, come up for pets. They're all super sweet cats. So apparently I, I was looking it up and I guess during COVID-19, everyone had to, you know, evacuate the island because it was just getting really bad over there. And a lot of homeowners left their pets there. 
and a lot of them never came back to claim their cats. So there are thousands of cats all over this island. They're well taken care of, it seems like. I mean, to the best of, you know, their capability. I know there's like donations that have been raised and all these like funding things out there for the cats. So they're, they're good taken care of as my cat's jumping on my lap. Hi, Tito. Tito, he says you summoned me. <laughs> I have summoned Tito. All right, Tito's gonna be a guest on Intoxicated. Tito, what do you have to say about me cheating on you with other cats? Does that make you upset? I think, I think he's okay. He's like, you're, you're here with me, so you're fine, right? Oh, thank you, he's licking my lips. Thank you, Tito. Wow, thank you. <laughs> At PP Island, there was Monkey Beach, which was really fucking cool. There were literally monkeys everywhere. It was, it was very magical. We then headed over to Phuket, and that was the trip. But I gotta get into what happened in Krabi. So in Krabi, there are these caves that are super old historic caves. I guess there was this whole thing about a giant skeleton being found and stuff um, online, which I was looking up, and it turns out this giant skeleton was an art piece, but some online sources tried to twist it, saying like a real giant skeleton was found in Krabi, Thailand, you know? So this was the cave where that giant skeleton art piece is. And they also have real human skeletons, real human remains that were found that were over 43,000 years old. Just crazy old human remains. I guess there was um, a lot of the Japanese, they used it as a bunker in a world war. There was also a lot of cave drawings and stuff that they found in there. So people have been residing in those caves for, I don't even know if they know how many years, but it's, over 43,000 years of just people residing in those caves, dying in those caves, just a lot, a lot of history, a lot of energy. So prior to going to the caves, we, when you go to Thailand, um, a lot of people rent motorbikes. That's just how you get around there. There's like families of three, families of four on these motorbikes all crammed together. That's just how they get around. It's just so, so different from where I'm from. So when we went there, they expect you to be able to drive these motorbikes and I'm not very good on them. Um, I, I've, I'm notoriously known for crashing bikes, um, let alone motorbikes, which I've never ridden them before. So she just taught me how to use it for a little bit and was just like, okay, you're good to go. I kid you not, uh, the first like five minutes I was on it, I literally went into the grass and all these locals were like, whoa, 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 like freaking out because I went into the grass, couldn't stop. I couldn't even turn it. And they were like, you need to lean with the turns, like lean. So I was having a lot of trouble. I almost crashed like five times. And we rode these to the Tiger Temple, which was like 30 minute drive, I think, on these things. And I had just freaking learned how to use it. So I was freaking out. And the whole time I was having premonitions of that exact bike I was riding crashing. So I was kind of freaking out because when I have premonitions, it gives me a lot of anxiety because sometimes I don't know if it's just anxiety. I don't know if it's just like 
an intrusive thought. Sometimes I cannot tell the difference, so my premonitions aren't clear all the time, but I do keep them in mind. But this one, it was just more clear to me than like an intrusive thought or just an anxiety thought. This one was a lot more specific. So I, you know, took it seriously and I told my dad, I was like, dad, I cannot drive this bike. I am going to crash it. Like I just literally said, I'm gonna crash it. I'm having really bad anxiety about it. I just, I can't do it, you know? Like, I was just freaking out. So my dad, he was like, oh, okay, well, Noki could drive it. Noki is from Thailand, so she knew, she knew how to, you know, ride these bikes, and she knew the streets, and, you know, stuff like that. So we thought, yes, it'd be a lot better for Noki to drive my bike. So we go to the caves, you know, she's driving the bike all day, she's okay. We go to these caves, and when we walked in those caves, the dark energy that's in there is unlike anything else. It felt like the whole cave was was just a giant portal. So there were bats everywhere, you know, screaming, doing their thing, their bat thing. It was pretty creepy. Tyler was with me and he felt a lot of dark energy in there as well. So we decided, you know, let's see what's here. Let's see if we can talk to some spirits. I had seen a spirit prior to this. I just knew that we were going to get some communication from it. So we start communicating and, and I'm talking to this man. Turns out that he was killed actually by a tiger in that cave. I just kept kept getting images of him being pushed up against this rock. So this was some tragedy in these caves that we're already learning about. And all of a sudden, this dark, dark energy comes in. And I had never felt anything quite like it. It was just old. It was almost like, I guess the best thing I can compare it to was when I went to the gates of hell in New Jersey and almost got possessed. It was like dark energy like that. So I was getting a little bit nervous. You know, Tyler had seen a dark figure in front of him and it was just getting, it was getting scary. The bats started like really freaking out and it was just all together. It was chaotic and scary. So as this dark energy comes forward, he sits by me and all of a sudden my right arm starts burning. Like it was burning hot to the point where I had to step back. I had to get up from where I was sitting and step back because it was a lot for me. It was really intense and painful. Like my whole right arm was just burning. I caught this all on video too. The way I grab my right shoulder is just so bizarre to me. I don't know. I just grab it in such a weird manner. And you can tell the way I grabbed it was just a very like impulsive reaction because of what I was feeling. So we freak out about that. There's a lot that happens there. And I spoke out loud. I was asking for nothing to follow us home, just hoping that this dark entity wouldn't you know, follow us or do anything because these things get, it gets scary. So we had gotten on the boat, came back, we ate food, and then we were driving back to our hotel. And I was on the back of the bike with my dad. I was in the front. Tyler was behind us on his bike and Noki was in the way back on the bike that I had rented. Noki and Tyler were a long distance behind us. My dad was going like super fast on his bike, you know, whatever. And we were at a light and I told my dad, I was like, dad, I have really bad anxiety right now. Like I just have a really bad feeling. And he was like, oh, do you want me to slow down? You know what's going on? And I was like, no, um, I don't know if that'll help. You know, I was just having really bad 
bad anxiety. Like I just had this weird feeling that something bad was gonna happen. And then Tyler and Noki catch up to us and then we get going, you know, when the light turns green and my dad speeds off cause he goes really fast. And Tyler and Noki, like we couldn't even see them behind us. So all of a sudden we hear this honking, honking, honking. And I was like, who's honking? Like, I'm so confused. It was Tyler honking his motor horn. I didn't know the motorbikes had a horn on it. So I was really confused. And all of a sudden he pulls up and he's like, Noki crashed. I think Noki crashed. I, I think it was her. Like I saw her on the floor. I don't know what happened. I think she crashed her bike. And we instantly pull over to the side and we're like, oh my God what? Like we were freaking out. So we turn around and we go and we see Noki on the side of the road with um, a bunch of people and she's holding her arm. We were like, oh my gosh, at least she's standing. At least she's like somewhat okay. And she comes walking up to us in her arm, her right arm, the same arm that I had felt burning in the cave was dislocated so bad her shoulder was like an inch down from where it was supposed to be and she had scrapes everywhere and she was just you can tell she was just holding her arm in pain she had no tears or anything which uh I would have been on the floor bawling. I would have wanted to go home. I would have been really upset. That would have ruined my whole fucking trip. Like I would have went home crying, but no, she was just like holding her arm. She was just like, oh, I don't know what happened. You know, she had no idea. And the driver, he thought that he had killed her, that he was freaked out because she crashed really hard to the point where he thought she could have been dead. The bike was scraped up one of the gas, uh, pedal thing gas squeeze the things you squeeze to make the gas go the i don't know what they're called whatever it broke off this thing's made of metal this thing broke off completely the mirrors were all damaged on the back the side of the bike was just totally scraped up like she really crashed hard and her shoulder took full impact she at least thank god had a helmet on if she didn't have a helmet I don't know what would have happened. She could have hit her head really hard. It could have been so much worse, but we did have to call the ambulance. So the ambulance came, which was, it took literally four minutes for the ambulance to get there. I was really impressed. It's pretty crazy how different it is compared to where I live. So the ambulance comes, Noki gets in the ambulance and goes to the hospital. Um, and my dad told me after he was like, you know, what's weird. I was like, what? He's like, I got her a hematite bracelet, which hematite is known to collect negative energy and then it breaks when it's done. She was wearing a hematite bracelet on her right arm and it broke off during the accident. So I'm like, what if that maybe helped make it not as bad? What if that helped protect her a little bit? Because even though she did, you know, really get injured, she didn't get injured as bad as she could have. I just wish my premonition was more clear to see that it wasn't me on the bike and that it was her. But at the same time, I'm thinking, what if it was inevitable? And I don't know, I'm thinking like, what if I was driving the bike and I'm not as experienced on bikes? So if my reaction was different than hers, what if it would have caused a fatal accident for me? Or what if it would have caused something a lot more severe. Just the fact that she was on it and more experienced and kind of knew how to control it better. I feel like she didn't get as injured as maybe I would have had. You know what I mean? Like, I just wish it didn't happen at all, but still, I'm just trying to think of every scenario. It's just, it was something that was so 
strange. Like, my dad thought it was weird. Tyler thought it was weird. Noki explained it as if she all of a sudden lost control. She, like, explained it as if her bike just started slipping or something weird. She was really confused as to how it happened because the car didn't hit her. She hit the car. Like, she lost control hit the side of the car and crashed. The whole situation just is insane to me. And you know what's weird is we just got home from Thailand. Tyler broke his foot. Like he was hiking and he broke his foot, which was weird. And then on my way home, like it's like there's all these bad things that have been happening to us. Like on the way home, I missed my flight on Friday the 13th. It wasn't my fault. The airline was just very, very unorganized. The line was insanely long and a lot of people missed their flight that day. But it was like I was crying at the airport. I was having a really bad time. Tyler breaks his foot, Noki crashes. It's just so weird to me that all of this has happened within the span of us going to those caves. So let me know what you guys think. I know that was a really long story, but I really just wanted to, I, I just replay it in my head every day and I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it because what the fuck? Other than all that, Noki continued on the trip. She had a sling on and she had bandages. You know, my dad put bandages on her. She did tear a couple ligaments and her shoulder's still not quite in place. But I don't know if that was a curse, if I don't know what happened. Uh, the energy in Thailand is just so different than here. It's so much more powerful and people would always say that, but I was like, what do they mean by that? Like, I just didn't understand. You know, a lot of people would say in different countries, the energy is just a lot more powerful. And until you experience it, it's just something you, I don't know, it's something so unexplainable. So on the last episode, we actually ended talking about the Cecil Hotel, which I wanna get into a little bit more. So I'm gonna go into this article and it's called The Dark History of the Hotel Cecil. Apparently this hotel has the nickname of Hotel Death, which is a really shitty nickname for a business <laughs> like the fact that it's that dark that it has that nickname at least 16 deaths have occurred at the cecil since it opened in 1927. it was rebranded as the stay on maine in an attempt to escape its tainted reputation but the hotel still attracts thrill seekers and true crime fans that's us. That's us. William Banks Hanner, an established hotelier, is that what they're called, a hotelier? Built the Hotel Cecil in 1924. He envisioned a sophisticated hotel that catered to traveling businessmen and those of high social status. With a striking marble lobby, opulent staircase, and stained glass windows, the hotel was the image of style and refinement. It's interesting how the original idea of the Cecil Hotel was to be like this elegant, high-class hotel, but it's just the complete opposite now. Instead of housing Wall Street aficionados, I don't know if I said that right, the hotel became home to Richard Ramirez, a notorious serial killer who walked around the lobby in clothing bloodied by his victims. Horrific events occurred behind the walls of the Hotel Cecil, and its occupants committed many more outside of it. The first incident happened in 1931 when a man named W.K. Norton died in his room after committing suicide by ingesting cyanide capsules. 
The most recent death was that of Elisa Lam in 2013, whose body was found in a water tank on top of the hotel's roof. And I think I said this in the last episode, but I believe Elisa Lam came to me when I was standing outside of the hotel. Um, we may or may not be uh, going back there, so stay tuned for that and we will be able to dig into all that. Definitely will update you guys on this podcast if we do end up going there. In a period of over 80 years, a lot of blood has been shed at Hotel Cecil. Here's an overview of some of the major disturbing events. So there's been a string of suicides. Six suicides occurred at the Hotel Cecil in the 1930s alone, likely due to the Great Depression, which caused a lot of suicides all around Los Angeles and a lot of the hotels, like Roosevelt Hotel, I know, Biltmore Hotel, I know that they had some suicides during the Great Depression. Some people ingested poison, some died of self-inflicted gunshot wounds, and one slit her throat with a razor. Many of the deaths occurred from people jumping out of the hotel's windows, sparking rumors that the Cecil was cursed. In 1962, a woman named Pauline Otten, that's weird, I have a ghost named Pauline in my apartment. Hmm committed suicide by jumping from her window after arguing with her husband. Wait, that's really strange. Co coincidentally, she landed on passerby George Gian Giannini, killing them both. I've heard of this, but I didn't realize her name was Pauline and she was having an argument with her husband. I don't know, that's interesting, because the ghost in my house, her name is Pauline, and she would argue, she was in a very abusive relationship with her husband and would argue with him a lot. But this woman was in 1962. I think Pauline was more from like the late 1800s. And the fact that she landed on someone just walking by, minding their own business and killed him too, that is intense. Like that was meant to happen for some reason, but some dark, I don't know, that, that shit's dark. In 1944, a 19-year-old woman named Dorothy Purcell went into labor while staying at the hotel. She had no idea she was pregnant. I've heard of this, people who don't even know they're pregnant and then give birth. That blows my mind. Not wanting to wake her 38-year-old partner, she delivered the child alone in the bathroom. Once her baby was born, Purcell threw him from a window. I could just envision that and it just makes me so sick to my stomach. How could you see that, this life that you created, even if it was a surprise, and throw it out the window? There had to be something not right with her. Purcell was arrested after the baby's body was found on a nearby roof. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine someone just finding that baby's body on a roof? That makes me sick to my stomach. She claimed she had thought the baby was already dead. So you throw it out the window? Like, come on. She was deemed not guilty by reason of insanity and it avoided imprisonment. So yeah, she definitely, I think she was insane. There was definitely something not right with her. One of the most violent deaths to occur at the Cecil Hotel happened in 1964. A 79-year-old woman named Goldie Osgood was brutally murdered. A retired telemarketer, she was nicknamed Pigeon Goldie as she was well known amongst the locals. 
as she was well known amongst the locals for feeding the pigeons at a nearby park. Goldie was a long-term resident at the Cecil Hotel and she had little money and the hotel offered cheap rates. On June 4, 1964, Goldie's body was discovered in her hotel room. She had been brutally murdered, beaten, raped, stabbed, and choked to death on a rag. The killer ransacked her hotel room, suggesting it may have been a violent case of robbery. She spoke with friends only minutes before the rough estimation of her time of death, meaning the killer was lying in wait. Goldie's death still remains unsolved. They don't know who killed her, but they do know that whole area around the Cecil Hotel is Skid Row, and it is notorious for brutal things like that happening. So it could have been anyone. Ooh, this one. Richard Ramirez. Ugh. He's scary, dude. He's like a dark, dark energy. He scares me. One of history's most violent offenders called the Cecil home during his killing spree. I think he summoned some weird shit into the Cecil hotel. He was all into, you know, Satan and all this weird, dark stuff. I think he sacrificed people. I think that he really, really added to the Cecil hotel being this whole place of just darkness. He was nicknamed the Night Stalker, and he was known to have murdered at least 14 people. Known for breaking into houses in the middle of the night and killing its occupants, Ramirez terrorized those living in the area. Around the time of his aunt's murder, he began breaking into homes and stealing. He dropped out of school and moved to Los Angeles where he spent time in prison for stealing a car. He committed his first known killing in April 1984 when he murdered a nine-year-old girl. Her death sparked a killing spree lasting over a year and resulting in 14 deaths. At this time, Ramirez was living on the top floor of the Cecil Hotel. He would often return to the hotel in bloodied clothes, throwing them into the garbage before returning to his room. The fact that he lived there for that long and he would go murder people, come back to the Cecil Hotel and chillax, go out, murder someone else, come back, or murder them in the hotel, that had to just summon up some dark shit, some dark energy. There was also an Austrian serial killer named Jack Unterweger, and during his time at the Cecil Hotel, he murdered three or more women. So he would do the same thing and murder people, then come back to the Cecil. It's like they were drawn to that place. It's just so whack. And then, of course, there was Elisa Lamb, who, you know, there was the elevator footage. She was found in the water tanks. Uh, she... I think she was murdered, um, just from a psychic's perspective. I feel like Elisa Lamb was 1000% murdered. I think she was, you know, manic. Maybe she was manic. Maybe she was not in the right mind. But I think that someone took advantage of that, of her being in that state. And I really just feel like there was someone else involved. Just being in that whole area of darkness and there being Skid Row and, and her just being in not in the right mental state, of course someone's gonna take advantage of that. I've had friends go up to the Cecil Hotel to the roof, look at the water tank opening, and it is teeny tiny. They were like, she would have had to literally jam herself in there, squeeze in there. You know, and they were thinking someone had to have pushed her down. There's no way that she just climbed in there by herself. And the lid was like really heavy and it's just 
there's a lot of things that just do not add up. And we will get into that in the next episode of Intoxicated. I am so sorry, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening and or watching. Make sure you guys are subscribed to my YouTube channel. Ring those notification bells so that you guys know when I post. Also, give this podcast five stars. That would really help me out. I would really appreciate it. It just takes one second. Just press press those five stars, guys. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. Stay woke, everyone.